Whoop, whoop, whoop. So many exciting things to tell you. I'm going to keep it short and simple. Number one, my book is now free, a digital version of my book, Building Simple Habits to a Healthy Me. You can just sign up and get it for free. Number two, come and say hello on Instagram. I'm having fun on Instagram doing exciting reels. Number three, I have four amazing packages for my Positively Healthy program called Magical May exciting exciting if you want to find out more book a call and let's chat and lastly remember radiate and renew four simple habits simple but mighty habits is starting may the 15th so come and sign up for that I had a miracle cure that would guarantee you and your family living to a ripe old age whilst feeling vigorous, fit and fabulous. Would you be interested? Well, I do. It's called Healthy Living. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Orlina Kerrick. Healthy Living for Families Made Easy. Hello and welcome to Fit and Fabulous with me, Dr. Rena Kerrick. Today we are talking to a very special guest, Megan Jackson from Joyful Mud Puddles. And we're going to be talking about kids and big emotions. But before we jump into that, I just want to give you an update on my amazing Dr. Orlina's magic likes and dislikes exercise. And this has been absolutely amazing. Yesterday I did a session with a lady who told me that she wanted to like blueberries and she didn't like blueberries unless they were whizzed up in a smoothie and what she'd like to be able to do is eat them whole. So we did the session and at the end of the session she had, unknown to me, a little bowl of blueberries ready and she started eating them and went, yes, I like them. These are amazing. It's just an absolutely astounding exercise And I've been having lots of fun and seeing so many breakthroughs using this amazing tool. Now, I have been offering it free up until now. And as much as I would love to be able to offer it free, unfortunately, I don't have enough time in my day to be able to offer this free the whole time. So what I decided to do was offer it as a standalone little mini product. And I'm going to be charging $299 for that. Now, before you gasp and go, oh my goodness, $299 seems so much. There is a special discount for people who sign up to my email list. So if you sign up to my email list and want to keep in contact, it will send you a little voucher which says you can book this for, I think it's 47 47 or something like that. It's under $50. So an amazing, amazing discount. And I will keep that going for a bit, seeing how much time I have in my week and how many of the packages that I'm I'm doing. So as I, as much as I love doing them, I also have to serve my one-on-one clients and I have other things that I need to do in my week. I don't have limited, unlimited time to be able to offer these. So for right now, there's that amazing discount if you sign up. And how do you sign up? You sign up to my why am I overeating quiz and it will automatically send you that quiz, which is really interesting and fun. And it will also send you the voucher to book to sign up and book. So come and do that. I'm having such amazing breakthrough. It's really, really fabulous. Now, I would like to say a big thank you and hello to Megan. And let's dive in and talk about kids and big emotions. Megan, thank you so much for being here. I am thrilled to be chatting with you. 
Fabulous. So we are going to talk all about big emotions and kids. And essentially, I'm going to use you just to pick your brains about how I can help my family and my kids be a little bit calmer. I love it. I love real life practical. So let's jump in. Yeah. So just to set the scene, I have four boisterous children. I, is, is there such a thing as a calm and tranquil child who's always <laughs> child? <laughs> well, I don't have any of those children. I have four, you know, go out and get them kind of kids. And just before Christmas, we moved into a small house. We're only here for a year. But it does mean all of my children are sharing, so two and two. And it means as well that we just have to be a little bit more considerate because there isn't that space to go and, you know, disperse, spend a little bit of time by yourself, have your own private space. So we're concentrating on creating calm and enjoyable moments or time, you know, like morning times, we want to be calm and enjoyable. Lunch times, my kids come back for, for lunch and dinner time, essentially all the times when we're together, I would like them to be calm and enjoyable. Now, perhaps I have set my expectations a little bit too high, but it would still be useful to just dive in and think about things. So let me think of an example. This morning, I was having my breakfast outside. My eight-year-old twins were sat at the table and they were eating inside. I could hear screaming, which kind of went like this. Yes, no, yes, no. And I think this brings up oh so many questions. My first being, I'll I'll list all my questions first and then we can come back to them. But my first being, how do I handle that in the moment? Because I tell you, I'll tell you what I did in a bit, but it wasn't ideal. I can tell you, or at least the response I got wasn't ideal. And then I think, you know, you've got the immediate bit but also those skills to teach them to communicate well and handle their big emotions. But also I know as well that part of it's about me and how what the things that I'm doing in the background. So over to you. That's big. There's a lot to unpack there. I know. Um, I know. Let's see how far we get. <laughs> but it sounds so typical because I can imagine I hear it all the time too. I'm sitting in another room and I hear, you know, the the yelling and it escalates. My first instinct would be to pause and keep listening. Because sometimes and usually that's when your kids have some better communication skills. They can often work it out on their own. And oftentimes as parents our own childhood or our own fears jump in and we rush in to save the day when really we could have paused first. So I would say to pause first and keep listening. See if it sounds like you need to step in. So sometimes can I just clarify when you say pause first, you mean don't even go into that room. Just see yeah listen it goes. Yeah, I think I did that. Well there's a fine line. Yeah. (laughs) It takes practice. And if your kids aren't used to it, then maybe step in. So if you feel like, okay, I have heard, I can hear the screaming. Now I feel like I need to do something. And a lot of it is trusting your instincts. Sometimes just your presence in the room is enough of a reminder for them. Like, uh oh, mom's come in the room. We should stop. So just stand there for a second. It could be you know, one, five seconds, 10 seconds, just stand there where at least one or both of them can see you. You don't have to rush in and say anything. 
if you feel like they're not stopping and your presence isn't doing any good, then just ask them if they need your help. Oh, sounds like you guys are having a, you know, an argument. Do you need my help? They might say, no, we've got this and, you know, break it off or, oh, we were just discussing or we were, sometimes they were just playing and you misunderstood they're playing for yelling. So asking if they need you to step in is, is better because if you jump in, then you're automatically taking sides. You're judging, you're assuming that someone is in the wrong and that you now need to step in and take charge. And then they're going to shift into, well, it wasn't me. I don't want to get in trouble. If you ask. Interesting. It's really interesting because what I actually did, and I can see exactly what you're saying, was jumped in and as a short fix, thinking, goodness, we just need to get on with the morning. I asked my daughter if she would move down to the end of the table. It's a huge table. And I'm just like, let's just separate the two of you. You're standing next to each other. Now, I picked her because she was easy to move in that my son was already at the end of the table. But obviously, she saw this as, it's your fault, you have to do this. And her response was, I don't want to move. And then I kind of found that I had just dug myself this hole and essentially joined in the argument, which, you know, when you just think, I've made things worse, not better. How does that work? (laughs) So, yeah, and I think it's a really interesting practice to allow that to go on. I was doing a 10 minute meditation earlier on and my daughter was being so noisy. And I was thinking it's a really good practice to do that, to listen to her just being noisy. She was only just being noisy, but in a small place and thinking, I still find that quite triggering. Just that noise, I find Mm -hmm. it just sort of pokes the inside of your brain, if that makes sense, and makes me think, oh, I have to stop that noise. I have to stop that noise. So meditating on it was I wouldn't really use the word pleasant, but useful, I would say. I would say it's very useful, especially for those who are highly sensitive and get triggered by noise, or if it just reminds you of being picked on or arguing when you were a child. Figuring out what your triggers are and learning to sit with those is huge in parenting. And that's why just pausing and realizing that it's not an emergency most of the time, or it's not your emergency, especially if it's your kids arguing. You don't have to get so personally involved. You're there as their coach and their guide. So when you come in with that mindset, do you guys need a bit of help navigating this conversation or or settling this argument? Then you're coming in um, more as an outsider, as a guide rather than the judge and picking sides. That's fabulous advice. And so I guess my next question is, well, am I being totally unrealistic, expecting my children to be calm and create enjoyment all the time? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That wasn't the answer. (laughs) Well, because all the time isn't realistic, but you can have a general culture where that's the norm and then you're more understanding when it's not. Because, I mean, let's face it, this has been a, it's been a full year of, of crazy, yeah, a no, crazy my, year. My children are at school. They do go to school. So they're yeah. not at home the whole time. And we do, what I try and encourage them to do is if they just want to be noisy, to go outside and be noisy rather than in the small area. The problem we have is that outside, well, the weather's not great at the moment. And um, 
our garden is much, much, much smaller than it used to be. So outside is not as appealing. Now, I'm sure that when spring comes, outside will be more appealing. Yeah. So, yeah. so going back to that incident and thinking about different ways of handling it, what else can we do to generally teach our children those communication skills? So it transpired that my daughter had basically said to my son, in probably not a very nice way, can you eat with your mouth closed? Now, he thinks that he was probably eating with his mouth closed. And because I wasn't there, I have absolutely no idea. He isn't somebody who normally eats with his mouth open. And I do notice that my older son is constantly asking my daughter to eat with her mouth closed. And I wonder if that's where that came from. And I suspect she did it in a not hugely polite way. And then he got cross and started shouting at her. And she's very quick to shout back. So suddenly, both of them are just screaming, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no, at each other. And I always kind of think, that's like having an argument where you bang your head against a brick wall. It just, it doesn't serve anything. You're not doing anything other than screaming at each other. So how can I teach them that there are other ways? So I I have two things that popped into my head. One is sort of helping them work through it in the moment and learning communication skills. The other one is being more proactive as a family and working through, um, like I, I really encourage parents to look at the big picture with their family. What are the character traits and life skills that you want your children to know before, you know, by the time they move out? And even make a list as a family. It's a great exercise. Make like a, a big brainstorm map or a list. What do we want our children to be like and to know when they move out? Things like communication, kindness, honesty, even life skills like cooking and, and chores and all those things. But then when you run into these problems, these day-to-day problems, those are the opportunities to practice and teach those bigger life skills. But throughout the week, I just started this with my boys again, because we kind of forget and jump back on again when I need it. I'm specifically teaching them character qualities. Like we looked up, what does respect mean? What does it look like? How do we show it? What are some great quotes? Or, you know, if you have a faith, if there's verses or something that go along with it, we put up visual reminders. And then at the end of the day, around the dinner table, I've been talking to them. Hey, today our topic, you know, our, our focus characteristic was respect. When did you show respect or did you struggle with that today? And we've been working through different, you know, character traits. So being proactive and physically teaching your kids and putting it on everyone's mind really, you know, because sometimes when you just get busy with life, you forget about it and real life kicks in. But if you actually are being conscious about it, anyone listening to your podcast is purposely putting it on their mind to work through some area of their life because they've gone to the effort of listening to you. We need to do that for our kids. The other thing is to specifically teach them again, work through teaching how to communicate with each other and how to negotiate. And, um, and I can tell you how, uh, some brief steps on yeah, how to that. eat. So when you're talking now, 
I, if you really want to look into some great way of like, it's called empathy communication or nonviolent communication. And that was originally um, Marshall Rosenberg who, who did nonviolent communication, but a simplified version of that is first to you observe what is the situation, but take out the, the blame, the shame, the name calling. Because that's where they get hung up and it goes on and on for hours and they bring up every past injustice and because their feelings are in the way. But if you're observing, like just, I actually like, you know, with the senses, I saw this actual thing happen. Then we can sort of figure out, okay, what's happening? Someone was eating. Someone was bothered by the sound of it and asked someone else to eat with their mouth closed. That's observing. We didn't take into consideration if all their feelings. Then we can talk about the feelings. How was each person involved feeling? <clears throat> so your daughter may have been feeling tired that day or hungry and not at her best. And usually the chewing doesn't bother her, but maybe she was just having, maybe she was anxious or worried or distracted. Maybe she was just feeling tr triggered um, by what her, her other brother used to say to her. And so she found an opportunity to do that to someone else, you know, like have everyone consider how are you actually feeling in this moment? Name it and teach your kids some more vocabulary around feelings. Feelings are just sort of the trigger warning light on your dashboard saying that there's a feeling, something's up, either it's great or it's not good, something's up. And we need to look past those. That's the third step to the needs behind those feelings. Children's behavior often does not match what they're actually needing. Behavior is a communication. It's all like all behavior is communication, but it doesn't always match. <laughs> Sometimes, especially with, you know, I, I would say any kid because even my almost teenager does this too, but they're like bouncing off the walls, going crazy. And you could be trying to stop the behavior. And one day I clicked and I was like, he's trying to tell me something. Like this is, he's not acting himself. What's actually bothering you, buddy? You're like, oh, I'm hungry. Like, How was I supposed to guess that? I have no idea. So if you figure out what were they actually needing, then we strip away all that name calling and the shame and the blame and the, and the tattling and the fighting. And we can move into actually problem solving. If she was needing quiet and he was needing to eat, then you can say, hey guys, it sounds like this is what we actually need. Anyone have any suggestions? What can we do about it? Then they're like, oh, well, I could go in my room or I could go outside or I could put a cereal box between us. Like they, there's so many options, but then they're able to think about coming up with solutions. And then you pick one, you try it, you tweak it because that's real life. You know, we all assess after you've tried something, it works or it doesn't. And now you've taught them real life skills and they're actually practicing it so they can use that in different situations. I love it. I think one of the issues I have as well, though, is that my children will be triggered right at that moment. And so I jump in and I try and fix it all right then and try and do all of that thinking about how can we solve this problem and 
they essentially just want to scream at me or at anyone. It doesn't really matter. And I I think you're absolutely right when you say their behaviour doesn't match. One of the things I find really frustrating is when they're busy screaming and shouting and fighting with me and you just want to say, why don't we just have a hug? And that's what you really want, isn't it? A hug. But they're so busy in this fighting that they... They're not quite there yet. Yeah. And I think this is another behaviour that I see quite frequently. So what should I do? Just let that run its course and then come back to it later on and brainstorm it like at dinner time or lunchtime. Yes, that's a great idea. I mean, the more your family gets used to talking about feelings and working through problem solving, you'll find the incidences where are less because now they've gotten used to it. So if you're just starting out like this, then you may not get through all the steps quickly, or you may not get through all of it, but you're trying. And that's the goal is just to move forward in life and to try and to pick away at it. You've got their whole lives to keep learning. Even as adults, we're learning how to handle our feelings. So if they're caught up on even moving past observing without blaming, they're caught up in their feelings. They haven't processed that. One of the worst things we can do is try to bypass that and stuff the feelings or push them aside because it's like stuffing it into a backpack and it's going to explode later at the most inconvenient time, right when you're running late for something and they have a total meltdown. If you're able to work through those feelings on a more regular basis and help them learn some coping skills to deal with that, then you can start to move through these a little faster or remind them, hey, it sounds like you're being, you know, you're really frustrated. Remember, this is what we do when we're frustrated and they've had more practice with it. So it really does take time to get used to that. But do you have taking the time coping skills? Oh, yeah, definitely. So there's four kinds of main coping skills. One is calming skills. Those are the things that you do to help you calm down. And we all know there's a coping skill is just a strategy you use, and it can be positive or negative. What we want to do is teach them some healthy, positive ways of dealing it rather than, you know, eating or watching too much TV or, you know, that that leads to, you know, smoking and all these other things. So we want to teach them healthier options for calming strategies, deep breathing, yoga, getting outside, um, touching soft things, listening to calming music, essential oils, anything that is going to help relax and calm down. There are physical skills. Those are get your body moving, either get out the anger, the frustration, the wiggles, Or if they're in the opposite state and they're, you know, depressed or sad or unmotivated, get them energized and get them going. Dance parties are fantastic. Getting outside again. Swings, trampolines, uh, wrestling with a giant stuffy, squishing Play-Doh, squeezy fidget toys, all those things. There's also distraction skills, which are great when they're hung up on being worried or anxious. We don't always want to distract, but sometimes we get hung up too much on a feeling and we need to move past that. And so things like hobbies, puzzles, coloring, gets your mind off what's bothering you. And then you can think clearly because you're just enough to re-engage the whole brain. When a person's upset, they've flipped their lid 
and they're not actually they've gone back to that that um you know that fight flight or freeze mode and so you want to re-engage the whole brain. So even just distracting momentarily enough to be like, oh, okay, I was like totally irrational and crazy. I've started asking them sums actually at that moment. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. what's four times six? Just in a way to um, try and engage that thinking part yeah. of their, ba- their brain a little bit more. Now, sometimes they go, I don't care. And sometimes they tell me the answer. So, you know, again, it's one of those things. And I think as you get more into the habit of doing that and they get more used to me asking them that and start seeing it as mummy helping me rather than mummy against me, it will be more useful. Well, I will. Exactly. (laughs) The last one are processing skills because we really do want to help raise even ourselves to actually sit and work through and learn to sit with feelings and not be so afraid of them and stuff them or ignore them. So things like journaling or talking to somebody, even listening to music, because you have to now choose the music that meets your mood. You've put some thought into that. So processing skills are also really important to teach them and do them throughout the day. Like, when pe- when your kids are calm, even brainstorm, make a list, try new things, make posters just as reminders if that's going to be helpful to you. When I'm upset, these are some things I can do. And then practice them and remind your kids so that when they are upset, it's on their mind, like they've practiced it enough that you're not throwing them more to do when they're upset because that's when they you know, I hear from parents all the time. Well, we, I tell them to take a deep breath and then they get angry and they don't want to. Well, because they're not used to that. Now you're bossing them around when they're upset. Yeah, absolutely. That you have to create the habit of it not in the moment of anxiety and stress. And make it fun too. My youngest, when he gets upset, he now asks me because we've practiced so often that he's like, I'm feeling frustration can we do this? And he'll come and tell me the strategies that we practice most often. And he loves blowing on my finger, but then I react really silly and I twirl around the room or I fly across the room and smack into the wall. Or I, you know, I, I pretend I'm a deflating balloon and it just gets him giggling and he thinks it's so funny. Or he also likes wrestling with his big stuffies with me. And so I'm, I'm the, dog like the big stuffed animal and he just jumps on it and wiggles it and then we start tickling and having fun oh that sounds fabulous yes my kids really like sort of pretend play with teddies so my son hates getting out of bed in the morning but I then make his teddies bounce on him and attack him and normally he giggles sometimes he doesn't (laughs) (laughs) Megan thank you so much any last tips for us Keep practicing and working on yourself because so much of parenting involves the parent. And when you can model that and be the calm in the storm, then that makes a huge difference. So all the strategies you ever are trying on your kids, uh, practice on yourself too. Yes, and I couldn't agree with that more. I think it's all it all starts with you and the more calm you can do yourself, absolutely the better. So where can people find you? I am at joyfulmudpuddles.com 
and also on all social media as Joyful Mud Puddles. And if you visit my website, you'll see a big pop-up window that comes up and that will give you links to all my freebies. And I actually have some really great posters that talk specifically about anger and feelings and what coping skills in my freebies. So when you sign up for my newsletter, you actually get access to my entire freebies library. Fabulous. Thank you so much. Thank you for being here as well. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast episode. Remember, you can sign up for Dr. Orlina's Simple System to Healthy Living for Families at drorlina, D-R-O-R-L-E-N-A dot com slash simple dash system. If you have enjoyed this podcast, I ask that you share it with somebody else who would also benefit so that I can reach more people and help more people live healthily. And lastly, if you are interested in working with a coach, then just email me at orlina at drorlina.com and we can set up a time to chat. Absolutely no obligation. I love chatting. So come and chat with me. Bye-bye.